What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. He's on Twitter, at Gabe Fergie. I'm Jordan Coe, at Raven Sit Room. Um, you know, in some senses, it's the same old story here, Gabe. <laughs> game coming down to the last minute, less than two-point game, needed some things to happen, didn't break that way for the Ravens again. Um, but, you know, in the big in the big picture, really two takeaways here, right? One is somehow the Ravens are still first in the AFC North. <laughs> that, does, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. But also, injuries just continue to mount for this team. I mean, we, we saw Lamar go down. We saw Calais go down. Who knows what their status is going to be. Jimmy Smith, luckily, was a healthy, a healthy scratch in the sense that he was back home welcoming another kid to his family, so he'll be back. But, no, I don't think there were any other major injuries beyond that, but obviously those are two pretty significant ones overall. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like your best player on offense and your best player on defense and you, you lost them early in the game. Like, basically, I think they both went out in the first quarter, right? Or Lamar was, like, early second quarter, like the first play of the second quarter. So, yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, not having those two guys out there, um, that's tough. And like you said, we don't know what their status is. We saw a high ankle sprain for Lamar, um, which is, depending on the severity, could be season-ending. Um, that's 
obviously tough um, for the Ravens. It's tough for Lamar in a essentially in a contract year um, and coming off of a bad streak of games. It's, it's not the way you want to finish the season if you're Lamar Jackson. Um, but, you know, all that being said, <clears throat> like you said, this was a, a game where the Ravens battled back. They fought till the end. Um, I mean, maybe got a little fortunate with the re- recovering the onside kick. That was kind of a, a wacky play, but um, you know they had a chance to win it. Um, and you know, I thought that they really played hard. I thought the offense had a bit of a groove to it in the second half. Um, it wasn't always pretty. Um, there were a lot of kind of I don't know rookie mistakes, so to speak, from Huntley. Um, but I think at the same time, he also played well. Um, you know, there's some decisiveness with him. Um, he kind of played within the offense, and um, it, w- it wasn't all perfect, but they were able to put together some nice-looking drives. And I think it's something to build on, potentially, with Huntley. I'm not sure if he's going to be, like, someone that can lead them into, like, the playoffs necessarily, but he might be able to get you a couple wins. Um, and I-, I think it'll be interesting to see him develop as a guy who's going to be playing several games as a starting quarterback, it'll be. I'm curious to see how he how he kind of evolves in that role. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this right before we got on here to record, and I go back and forth about this because, you know, they did fight, and, and the game was close at the end, and that's really all that matters. And how you got there doesn't make a difference if Huntley doesn't have the two fumbles. Um, the Ravens win this game, like, and and it's not particularly close. So it's hard in, in that sense to be critical. Like, like in that sense, you're right. The, the offense was better than we've seen for the better part of the last six or seven weeks. The flip side of that coin to me is that this Browns team is just not a very good one. Like, like the two touchdowns the Ravens allowed in the first half, one of those was a little bit uh, official aided in the process. But generally speaking, they were just not – they weren't able to stop the boot action and let Cleveland get out far enough, and, and that, was, that was enough to win the game. But – this Cleveland team is not going to win a playoff game. This Cleveland team is not going to beat any any kind of playoff caliber, genuinely decent team. So how do you measure how good the performance was when you have, what, four fourth down conversions in the process of all this to get to to get to that process? You also had a recovered onside kick. Like, yes, they were better. And yes, there were opportunities there, um, you know, especially if we didn't have what we what we, we ended up seeing from uh, – from Huntley in terms of those fumbles, but um, I don't know. I, I'm 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 halfway. I, I could be persuaded either way at this point. Well, I'm not like super optimistic about this Ravens team or their outlook for the rest of the season. I mean, I I, I want at some point like there's so, only so many injuries that you can overcome. Um, you know, the Ravens are looking at what like 20 players on IR or something close to that. And if Campbell and Jackson don't go in IR, they're going to be out probably. I mean, I don't know about Campbell. Jackson's probably going to be out at least like three weeks. I would imagine high ankle sprains are always a pretty um, significant turnaround time. Um, So what can you expect from them? Like, I I don't know. In terms of division winning, it's possible. Like the AFC North right now is not good. There's a lot of teams that, play well in spurts and then play really terribly in spurts. We've seen that from the Steelers. We've seen that from the Bengals. We've seen that from the Ravens. Um, I think the the Browns are probably the worst team, honestly. Like, they did not look like a very good team today. Baker Mayfield had a pretty bad game, I thought. You know, he was gift-wrapped a, a few easy, like, touchdowns. Um, I, 
I mean, the refs kind of handed the Browns a long drive on a, a shaky pass interference call early on. Um, it's it's just he's he's not someone I would I would be having much faith in if I was the Browns. Um, so I, I don't and because of that I don't have much faith in their you know potential to win the division, to, potential to make the playoffs. You know the, the Ravens were able to shut down the Browns running game again. <clears throat> Mayfield averaged what like five point something yards per attempt. Like it it was not a good performance by them. And this is also a Ravens defense that's missing a ton of starters. It's missing a lot of players, and they were able to shut the Browns down. And maybe they just have a good idea as to how to beat the Browns. Um, but it was it it was a pretty good defensive performance overall. Um, they weren't as good on third down as they have been in recent years or recent games, I should say. Um, and the offense, I mean, I know flipping back to the offense, the Ravens offense was horrible on third down today. I think one for 12 or something like that. That's really, really inefficient. Um, and a lot of them were third and shorts too, which is weird. Normally like we've seen with Lamar on our center, all these like third and longs, that wasn't so much the case in this one. Um, and they weren't able to convert those short ones, which is definitely problematic and something that shouldn't happen. I, I mean, especially with, you know, kind of, you would think just those third down conversions that are, they should be easy for any team, really. Like, that's that's a problem. And, and they need to be better if they have any hope of, you know, putting together a few wins as the end of the season approaches. Yeah, but, I mean, I think if the Ravens can win one or two more games, I think they might win the division. I mean, this, yeah. this division is going to be an absolute train wreck, and the schedules for everybody are not pretty. I mean, Cleveland has to play um, the Raiders, the Packers, the Steelers, and the Bengals. Um, the Bengals have to play the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns. And the Steelers have to play the Titans, the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Ravens. So everybody's either playing an individual game, in, in division game or somebody that's actually decent. Cincinnati probably has the lightest load there in the sense that they have to go play the Broncos, but then they have a game, game left with the Chiefs. So... Um, you know, I, I, if you would have asked me midway through the second quarter, I thought the season was over and I was ready to pack it in. <laughs> Take the best draft pick we could get, get everybody healthy. Don't ask any of these guys to push themselves to come back and let it be. But, you know, with with Cincinnati losing to San Francisco, um, you know, it's all back up in the air. So, you know, let's get into this game. Let's let's talk a little bit about where we think there are some opportunities for improvement and where the Ravens might be able to build. And, and for me, I thought it started with the running game. I mean, we have not seen a lot of creativity or anything interesting from the running game for the last six or seven weeks. And, and some of that I think is offensive line blocking. Some of that is them. I, I don't actually really know what it is because we, the counter bash plays completely disappeared from the play calls altogether. Um, we saw their return in this game. Um, we saw different kinds of runs. And so, you know, in the third quarter at about the 455 mark, um, we're going to throw a, cl a clip up on Twitter. So a great draw play um, from Devontae Freeman where that was it was it was drawn up as well as you could because you, you really had the offensive linemen dropping back on the draw. They weren't even dropping back and then firing out. You had Mark Andrews as the extra guy in terms of your blocker. And then when you've had these packages and these plays where teams are kind of rushing up the field against the Ravens, you know, almost by de facto, you know, in those situations, if you can get one block, you're going to get a big run like that. Even from a guy like Freeman, who even on this run, didn't really get away from anybody. He was kind of running equally, you know, equally where they were. But all in all, it was a great play. Um, I'd love to see the Ravens continue to bring more diversity to their run game. But overall, they looked a lot better in this game. Yeah, the, the running game was definitely improved. Um, 
I think, you know, they were able to find some stuff, like you said, with like, they were running a lot of counter, it seemed, in this game. Um, and it, it worked pretty well. I think Devonta Freeman continues to look more, more and more comfortable in the offense. And, and he, he's not someone who's going to, you know, make explosive plays. I think he had a couple of nice runs in this one, though. Um, he does have, you know, the ability to make somebody miss, which is, which is nice. You know, he's one of the actual leaders in the NFL in, like, uh, forced missed tackles on, like, a rate metric. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't really have the explosiveness to, like, make huge plays if he does make them miss, but he's still able to, like, get positive yardage on a lot of plays. Um, the short conversions, that, I mean, that that's also something of an issue. Um, that's where the running game, I think, faltered in this game. They weren't able to pick up those one and two yards when they needed it um, in, the, in the running game, and they had to rely on, on the passing game a lot. Um, but I, I felt like, in general, the, the play calling w- was a little bit less predictable than what we've seen in other games, like they had a good mix, I thought, on first down of, of passing, of running. Um, like you said, some interesting different things with the running game. Um, there was that ca- counter bash earlier. Um, I think it was the first half. It was pretty shortly after Hunt- Huntley game in, maybe the second drive. Um, it was a jet motion to Hollywood, and um, for the for like the the bash part of the counter, and then. The play was beautifully blocked up, but there was a blitzing slot defender, and it and Huntley couldn't get around him. Um, if he'd gone by him, he might have scored a touchdown on that play because it was it was so well blocked. Like I know that's kind of like one of those things that you have to account for every defender, but that was one defender that wasn't accounted for in that design um, because that's not necessarily something you would expect to have that blitz come off the slot. But you know, it didn't work out. But that's the kind of play that we could have seen with Lamar Jackson throughout the season and we didn't, I don't know why it's maybe that was just one of those plays in the vault. You know, it was just, just like waiting around for the right moment. Um, but there are, there are things like that. And, how about third and five from the Baltimore 48 on the first third down of the game? I mean, I mean, yeah. and like, you know, I, I don't understand this whole, I, I don't understand the vault thing. I don't even understand Greg Roman talking about the vault thing. So I'm going to rant about this for like 30 seconds to potentially seven minutes, but like, <laughs> This is this is a game where you don't leave anything in the vault. You go out and like you put your best player in a position to be able to make runs like this. And if you are scheming up the blocking like this for like a, a run like the counter bash, like they like we saw executed on that play, cut them loose. I mean, we saw the Ravens run counter bash with Dobbins and Jackson in the second half of last year. I don't know, twelve plus times a game. So there's, I, I don't know what they were, I don't know what they were holding back for. Um, and some of the, some of the third down play calls, the first three third down play calls were just miserable um, for the Ravens overall. So I do think the balance got better. I think that, you know, when Ray, Ro, Greg Roman has to call a lot of passes, he does a good job of mixing in those kind of like counters, draws, like the, the different types of runs overall. Sometimes on second downs they they get a little ugly, but like the second and longs just, it's not even yeah. a draw. I don't know what they're trying to do on those sometimes. But overall, I thought it was better. Yeah, I I mean, I think that moving forward, we can hope that, you know, there's some things, there's some wrinkles that can be used. Um, I mean, the offensive line is still going to be a liability to some extent. We saw like the tackles in this game get pretty exposed, mostly from, I thought they were decent in run, in run blocking, and, and but in pass protection, it's just... And I know they're going again, up against very high caliber, like defensive linemen, like Clowney and Garrett. That's that's not an easy task. Um, and we saw there's a couple of plays like Garrett beat Villanueva. I don't 
think Ronnie Stanley would have done much better, honestly. Like, he's just crazy coming off the edge. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a concern moving forward. I, th- I think that, the, you know, the penalties are also something that the Ravens really need to fix. Um, those are drive killers. Um, that's And and they got, you know, some of them were, were obvious. There were a couple that I thought were very ticky-tack, like holding calls. Um, the, the, the play right before Lamar got hurt, actually, there was a holding call on Villanueva. I, I watched that play like four times in a row looking for the hold. It, it was really, really spotty. Um, it's, but, and I don't know. I mean, I don't want to whine about that kind of thing, but it's, it, in general, you have to clean up those plays, whether it's, it's a legitimate call or not a legitimate call. Like those are the plays that are setting your defense or your offense back and, it's it's really making it difficult to extend drives when you're getting 10 yard penalties um a lot of times they come like after a scramble or a pickup and it's just it's you can't come back from that and that happened way too much happened last week a lot happened this week a lot there was over 100 yards in penalties in this game against the ravens i think over i think 10 penalties um that's that's not acceptable and whether or not that's partially due to some poor officiating um but it's it's just not a way you can win 10 penalties for 125 yards that's that's just, that's problematic. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I think what part of it is actually is that there's some level of focus now on these tackles and the Ravens offensive line for holding that like the refs do prepare for the games as well. They know what the tendencies of the players are. And so if you're a guy like Villanueva that feels like he gets two to three holes called on him every single game, I think they're, that you're just in a position where they're a little bit more likely to call holds against you and you're just going to have to be more careful about that. And the Ravens are going to have to make some kind of, you know, cost benefit analysis about what they want to do with that. And, and if, if he should be, if he's beat, just letting these guys get by him or not, um, you know, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but Villanueva has been a hot mess this year. He's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he, if there's one thing I'm looking forward to to 2022 is not having to watch him play offensive tackle. Yeah. They, I mean, they can't keep him around um, at the, at the contract at least. I mean, if you want to keep him for like, $2 million a year. If he's going to take a pay cut, maybe you can keep him as like a, a backup, but I think you can I'm do no worse. Interested. I think I'm you can do no worse, but he's not someone I, they should be counting on as a starter. That's, that's, for I, sure. I, I would give, I would give a shot to worse just to entertain. I, I mean, it's, he's not going to, at this stage in his career, it doesn't seem to be injury related from anything that we've heard. It's not going to get any better with time. I'd rather give, I'd rather see somebody get a chance and develop if, if that's what, we're really asking somebody to do. It's also unclear whether or not he can make the transition to right tackle. I mean, I just, I don't think there's any question that he's not going to be on the team next year. Um, but he, it's been rough having to watch Andrew Villanueva this year. Um, um, overall, yeah. though, you know, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, like, it, the Villanueva is definitely a problem. And, and that's something that they're going to have to deal with moving forward because he's still going to be a starting left tackle for the rest of the season. So, I mean, you keep it. A chip blocker and sometimes sometimes it doesn't even matter um he's he can't handle speed like that that's just the he doesn't have the foot quickness so figure out a way to to help him out or figure out something to um design the place so that he doesn't have to like be pass protecting for more than three seconds because he's he's not going to be able to last very long well, and I, one other thing I thought the Ravens did well on offense that was a good sign was that they started moving the pocket a little bit more. And, yeah. I, and this isn't one of those instances where you need to be moving the pocket on every play. You don't need to be moving it a ton. But when they do, I mean, you're not seeing the rush and the offensive line breakdown in the same way because you've got mobile quarterbacks 
that are know what they're looking for and they know what they're setting up for in those instances. Um, and so they've used it, you know, both intentionally and deceptively a couple times in this game. And I'd like to see them continue to build on that because defensive lines and these extra blitzers are pinning their ears back and coming back. They're coming after the quarterback against this offense. And they have been for six or seven weeks. And I think that's just a really nice counter to be able to, you know, we saw it on the very first play of the game. Yes, Lamar is on a naked boot in that instance where he's out there on his own. Um, but he's given himself enough time. You've got to define routes of where guys are going, and he was able to find Brown for a first down. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the defense because I think that they continue to be the bright spot of, of this Ravens team. They've been really what's held them together over this stretch of really poor offensive play we've seen over the past like month and a half. Um, the defense has been one of the, I mean, a really bright spots, I think. Like, we've seen positive play out of outside linebackers. We've seen, um, in this game, I thought we had some positive play out of um, the secondary, even though they were deplete, they've been depleted. Um, what Chris Westry, you know, he got flagged or called for a couple of penalties. Um, I mentioned earlier that pass interference, that was bogus. He should, it should have been, honestly, an offensive pass interference call. Um, but... You know, I thought he he held up well in this one. I, I mean, Tavon Young got beat on that touchdown to Landry. I, I felt like he got caught flat-footed, um, and maybe you know Landry kind of sold the route a little bit. and He fell for it, um, but overall, like you know, they played pretty damn well. And Anthony Averett, obviously with the interception. I don't think the Ravens had had an interception in like five or six games, some crazy stretch like that. Um, you know, he's he's a good player, and I'm I think you know he doesn't project as really as a number one cornerback, but right now he's their best cornerback. And um, he, he stepped up in this game. Um, I thought pretty well, um, you know, Westry actually, I think had the tougher task in a lot of this. He was covering uh, people's Jones. Who's a pretty um, good receiver that that toe tap catch he had on the sidelines was insane. Yeah, it's one of the best catches I've seen all season. I don't know how on earth he caught that ball. Um, but you know he, he he had a he had a good game I thought um and but I think that the Ravens did a pretty good job of, of covering them and um that's that's something that I think they can look to down the stretch is seeing how the secondary is going to hold up you know Jim you mentioned Jimmy Smith we'll get him back hopefully um he's I think healthy um he's been in and out of the lineup this year but hopefully you know he's he's in good health so you know there's a lot of I think positive things to take away um, from the defensive side of the ball in particular. Yeah. And, and we still, and we continue to see the kind of OA Bowser Houston combo be really effective and deceptive in terms of what they're doing um, in terms of bringing, bringing the pass rush. It's been really nice to see that. And the, the run defense has really tightened up. I mean, yeah. we, it's really tightened up a lot and a lot of props to Broderick Washington. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be a key defensive line piece moving forward he has looked in the games that he's gotten significant reps and i hate saying this he's looked as good or better than matabike has he's showing up on film he's playing a different role he's being asked to do something different but his run stuffing ability and his ability two or three times a game to generate a pressure um he's the one who knocked mayfield out of the game um you know for a little bit but overall he is been surprisingly active and a part of what the Ravens have been able to get from him when he's been on the field. It's been nice to see because I think the Ravens are going to see a big overhaul, you know, with Campbell at his age, Brandon Williams on his way out. They're going to be overhauls on the defensive side of the ball. We can continue to see Patrick Queen play really solidly. I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, again, they're still not asking him to play on third downs. Um, 
they're not asking him to play on like significant passing downs, but he continue he's he's been good in pass coverage and the and the downs that he's been in for, and he's been good against the been good against the run. So um, you know, adding all that in and on top of that, um Cleveland scored a defensive touchdown. So yep. so this the overall performance was even a touchdown lighter than what we saw. If if that if that touchdown doesn't happen, and obviously you can't undo that, but if that touchdown doesn't happen, um, then the Ravens are uh then the Ravens win this game. Um, and and largely on the backs of that the defense overall. Yeah, and one other guy I would chat out is Justin Ellis. I think he's played really well um, in the role that he's been asked to fill, kind of as the backup nose tackle, but he's actually been a starter for much of the season because Brandon Williams has been um, sidelined. I think he's he's played played well, um, pretty pretty much all season. Um, you know, he he's not like a huge difference maker i don't want to say but you know just someone who's reliable he's solid against the run he's not like a pass rusher so to speak but he can push the pocket a little bit um and you know it's nice to get that kind of production out of someone who's like just on a veteran minimum kind of deal um so i don't know if he's someone the ravens will look to continue to like bring back on like a one-year kind of situation um but i definitely would wouldn't be surprised if they try to and you know it's it's a good role for him and he's done well in it um, so yeah, and there's one of the, you know, you talked about the outside linebackers, um, and I, I thought they played actually a really good game. They were consistently getting some pressure um, on Mayfield. I mean, the sacks weren't necessarily there, but he was flustered a lot. Um, and there, there's one play in particular that really caught my attention. It was in the fourth quarter. It was one of the, it was the third down stop that the Ravens got, and they they did a thing where they they ran. It looked like they're maybe bringing five, but Bowser dropped into coverage. They were actually in man coverage, um, and they just rushed four. And Bowser like dropped really nicely to double on Landry, who was the, obviously the, the um, first look for Mayfield. Um, Mayfield didn't have that, and he rolled out to try and extend the play. And then Bowser got shot out of a cannon and chased him down for the pressure to, to force Mayfield to throw the ball away. It was just, I thought, a really well-designed play. It, it used Bowser's ability to drop in coverage exceptionally well. And then from coverage, he was able to rally to make the pressure and you know get the third down stop it was it was just a really impressive play um good play call and that's the type of versatility that a player like bowser brings um i think he's super underrated he's always been an underrated player but now that he's getting more playing time he's really showing how good of a defensive player he is for the ravens well and one of the things that i really liked on this play in particular as well th- this this is where the ravens cleaned up how they defended the boot action because basically what they were making the edge guy do in the first half was decide whether he wanted to come after baker and pressure him or whether he wanted to cover the defender and so or cover the like whoever was le- like kind of releasing out into the flat so it was hooper it was kareem hunt they were just picking up six seven yards in like decent chunks every time they would release because the edge guy would come towards Baker and he would get released. This isn't quite the same because we didn't get the boot action. But what you see on this play is everybody is taking a, an eligible receiver. That's why you see Chuck Clark in this play. He's taking that tight end. Yep. But Houston on the right side isn't asked to do that, right? His job then is to continue to go after Baker if he does leak out to the backside on that. Once the Ravens clean that up, it essentially took away the remainder of what Cleveland had going on offense. Um, and that was a really nice adjustment from Wink and, and not a – let's implement cover zero because because we can't figure out what we need to do um kind of adjustment for the ravens overall so um it was nice to see that i i you know i I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me why they didn't have that kind of figured out later it seemed like they started 
letting the like letting the guy rush the passer. Then they flipped that, and so like OA and Bowser were releasing back with the receiver, and then Baker was just rushing up the field and picking up you know four or five yards the same way. So this was a really this was a really nice counter to that. I thought overall. Yeah, I think that you know Wink definitely had a really good game plan for this. The adjustments he made were good, um, and and you know I've I've been critical of him at times um, this season. Uh, mostly because of the cover zero blitzes, I feel like are asinine. Um, but it's it's good to see you know him actually have impressive schemes and and plays for you know particular teams. I think he you know he has a good pulse on what the defense can and can't do to a certain extent, um, especially when they've been like limited in their personnel. Um, he hasn't put too much on their plate in this game. Like I don't know if there was a cover zero once in this one, which I like to see. Um, so, you know, they were they were depleted in the secondary. They were depleted somewhat in the defensive line. So he he kind of, like, cut it down a little bit. There was a little bit more zone, I thought. Um, and when they were in man, I thought they were effective in man as well. So overall, I think the defense, obviously, um, if, if the Ravens are going to have any kind of run, I mean, we talked about Hunley having to play well, but the defense is going to be the reason why they, they get some wins because they're they're playing at a high level, I think. So this is a perfect segue to start to talk a little bit about the offense because the idea that they played less cover zero because they don't have the guys to play cover zero, I think is important. Also, Brandon Stevens needs to catch that freaking ball. Like the one yeah. interception that he would have caught at midfield, I, I, he had it in his hands, I think three different twice. times. Three times. Couldn't. It might have just been twice. It just felt like it was three times. I don't know. That one drove me absolutely bonkers of everything that happened in this game. Like it was kind of like last week in the Pittsburgh game when when Queen had the interception that got overturned by that really ticky tack call um, as well. It, it just seems like that's how the Ravens season is going. But the point I was trying to make here was that there are intentional adjustments that have to happen in terms of how the defense operates because of what personnel looks like. I want to talk a little bit about whether or not we think that's happening on the offensive side of the ball right now as well. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in my in the co-household um, <laughs> between me and myself about the complexity of the Ravens offense, that it takes t- 10 to 12 seconds minimum to get the play call in to Lamar. It takes him six to seven seconds to look at his play sheet to, to get the call out to everybody, get everybody up to the line. And then there's six seconds of baked in motion into the snap. So the Ravens basically have no additional time to read the field, to make decisions, to make adjustments kind of at the line of scrimmage. Everything is then designed to happen in front of them on the field. Everybody needs to read the same thing in terms of what they're seeing, the route combinations, the adjustments, all that have to then happen in sync live and in real time because of that. Right. And so if anybody misreads anything, the whole thing goes to shit. Right. My question is with Huntley being in, do they take some of that away, right? So are are they now getting the play calls in quicker? The routes are more defined, and they're trying to pick specific matchups in those instances to go and win in those matchups. I would say that I think the evidence is there that that is what happened. And we're going to show you a, a couple of plays on Twitter that I think are examples of that, but I, I want your reaction to that first, Gabe. So I actually don't think the offensive design looked much different from what they've done with Jackson. I think they pretty much called the same. Maybe, I mean, maybe they called some plays a little bit differently, but like most of like the routes that I was seeing were the same. What I thought was different was I think that Huntley is more decisive. Um, And I think that's because he has to be, he's, I mean, he probably isn't the talent. I mean, okay. He definitely isn't the talent that Lamar Jackson is. So I think that he was basically told, you know, 
these, this is what you should be looking at. If it's there, do this. If it's not, do that. He's not given maybe the kind of the, I, I don't know, the the breadth of options that Lamar Jackson might be. Um, and he's kind of, he was, I think, coached to just make the first read or second read and make quick decisions. Um, he seemed like he was, if there was a blitz coming, he was going to his hot read immediately. You know, he wasn't trying to do like the, extend the play, like scramble around for five seconds like Lamar likes to do. He was just do, working within the way the offense is supposed to work for good and for bad. I think there was times where he he made the read because it was the correct read based off of what he was seeing, but it didn't do anything. Like there, were, there you weren't getting anything on this play sometimes. Um, but on the other hand, I think he was, you know, able to take some opportunities that Lamar Jackson has been hesitant to take, especially like throwing downfield. Um, we saw Huntley complete a couple of like long passes to Bateman because he had one-on-one coverage against his with his top receiver, um, and he had the faith in him that he could come down with a pass that was well placed. I thought both the passes, like the, both the deep passes to Bateman, um, were well thrown balls. Um, but he also had the trust in his receiver to go and make a play. I feel like. Lamar Jackson doesn't always cover or throw to that receiver. Like he, he, when there's a guy with one-on-one coverage, unless he sees Hollywood Brown with, with like a step, he's not throwing that ball. We haven't seen him make those downfield throws to Bateman at all this season. And those routes have been there. So it's not like Huntley is doing anything differently. I don't think. And the routes are the same. It's just Huntley's more willing to take some of those throws because it's like, that's the first read. It's somewhat open. I'm just going to take it. I think that was something that I saw in this game. It wasn't so much doing anything differently, but maybe just coaching him and telling him, you know, if it's there, take it. Yeah. So conceptually, I, I don't, it's impossible to know the answer to this without being in the huddle and without kind of hearing what is coming down in terms of the play calls there. Um, so it makes it really challenging. But like, for example, if you, if you guys check it out on Twitter, we're going to post a, post a um, video of the Bateman catch. Um, which is down the sideline on the fourth and sixth play. Um, and basically, Bateman has got one-on-one tight man coverage outside the numbers on the left side without safety help over the top and then crowding the box. So this is pre-snap. Huntley's already made the decision. That's where he's going with the ball, right? Like, we're going to go. We're going to try and attack deep. We're going to try and attack the one-on-one. I feel like that's something that the Ravens do with Lamar as well. And I feel like... You know, I don't know if those opportunities were taken away. I don't know if this is a blown assignment by the safety who needs to be single high here instead of kind of like creeping down into the box on like towards the bunch that the Ravens got here as well. Um, so and I, we don't know what's being whispered into his ear by Greg Roman either. Right. Like, like, but this is also the asset of getting to the line more quickly. Right. Because the communication between the quarterback and the coach stops at what, five or 10 seconds or 15 seconds. But yeah. that, but you have X amount of time before that that whoever is in the box can tell you what they're seeing in front of them um, and make calls about that. So um, obviously, fantastic play by Bateman. A, a really, I mean, obviously a solid read pre-snap um, by Huntley as well, and you know, not terribly well blocked up either, <laughs> um, because I think it was it was that Clowney. Somebody comes free off the edge and basically gets a shot at Huntley, and he does a fantastic ball getting the job of getting the ball out and and kind of in time and in rhythm to, to Bateman. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly like I'm gonna stand by what I said about Lamar not trying not making those throws. I feel like 
every once in a while you'll see him take the shots to to Hollywood. Um, but a lot of the times, like if the, if the Hollywood's covered, he's not putting it in a place where it's going to be caught. It's often like out of bounds or like making an extremely hard ball. I'm, and I'm not saying Huntley is like a better passer than Lamar Jackson is, but there's something about that willingness to attack that re- receiver cornerback situation. The I don't even know it's a 50-50 ball, but like just having the faith that your guy can go make a play for you. I feel like Lamar always tries to find the guy who's like more open than the guy who's kind of covered. And to his credit, like prior to the season, it's worked out for him very well. He's been very low turnover worthy plays. It's been a lot of like the interceptions, like obviously have been low throughout his career up until this season. Um, And I I don't even think when he's made the turnovers this year is because he's been throwing to open or covered like wide receivers. It's been because he's been like throwing because he hasn't read the defense well, or he's, or he's made an inaccurate pass. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I liked what I saw from Huntley in, in his decisiveness. I thought, you know, he was, whether it was just like seeing what the read was and making the play faster um, and just kind of like working within the offense a little bit better. Um, but regardless, I do, I just, I just felt like the offense was, was moving more smoothly than we've seen in recent weeks. Um, they were, driving down the field in ways that we hadn't seen in the past. Part of that was what we said before with the running game working a little better. Part of that was, you know, I think some improved play calling on first down. Um, All those things together made it actually look like something that was not bad in terms of the offense. And this past month, the offense has looked bad. Um, And and that to me is a little encouraging. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, we talked a little bit about moving the pocket and there's a play that we're going to post up here as well. That fourth down fourth and one play. I mean, Mark Andrews just had a phenomenal game overall in this game. Really, really put the work in, you know, I think he had one, one catch that that could have been caught that he dropped, but otherwise just phenomenal in terms of this game overall, he was open all game long. But to me, I just like them. I like them moving the pocket here. I like them kind of taking that approach of moving the pocket from shotgun like moving it to the short side of the field, which they might like the other team might not expect, and having two receivers on the far left side of that formation to really hold and keep it honest um, and hold that extra safety up single high. You know, it's nice to see the Ravens kind of trying to find a way to work some of this stuff in. And I guess we, we've seen some of these plays with Lamar, but, you know, either way, it gives you a nice option to throw or run in some of these decisions too. So I love this play, and I feel like it's something that the Ravens should do a lot more often. It's something that... I'd call it the Terry Kill Patrick Mahomes play because we've seen the Chiefs do this over and over again, where you roll out the quarterback to, to towards the receiver as the receiver is doing like this kind of like speed out, and it's like it's basically unstoppable uh, from a defensive standpoint. This play was actually probably better covered than I've seen it in a lot of instances. Um, and Andrews came up, and you know Huntley had a well thrown ball. Andrews made the play. Um, I mean that. But that's the kind of play that on a fourth and one or, or a third and one or a third and two, they should be doing that more often. You know, roll out your quarterback, get an easy, like, maybe like levels concept. You have a high look, you have a low look, you can run with it if needed. I, I'm just, I think that's the kind of play we could use more. It's a simple thing, but in those situations, it can work really well. So I love that play call in that situation. Um, you know, there, there were some other plays that I really liked. There was um, in the... I think it was the same drive. Oh, no, no. It, it was a drive. Um, I think it was around the 7 o'clock 
seven mark in the fourth quarter. Um, those are th- three and out uh, for the Ravens. And the the third down play, it was I thought a really good play call versus because they, they've been showing man coverage a lot on third down and blitzing. Um, they call it like a mesh concept and and this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier with Huntley kind of being very decisive. I thought this was one where he wasn't decisive. I don't know if he didn't read it well, but he I think he got flustered. There's a free rusher coming at him, and instead of waiting for the kind of the mesh to happen, um, he did kind of the Lamar Jackson thing and like ran backwards and just threw the ball away um, and was charged for intentional grounding. But if he had stayed in pocket, there was Andrews coming wide open across the field. Um, it was a perfect play call in that situation, and it, it was it probably would have been a huge play if he he'd just been able to um, you know stand in the pocket a little bit longer. But that's the kind of thing I like to see and I, and while it didn't work out in this one that was the proper play to in that situation and I think you know that's the kind of thing I want to see moving forward is is having plays that make sense based on what the defense is doing the tendencies that they're showing you can come back with a, a play that can attack that specific idea um, and in this instance it didn't work but I think it can work down the road and in, in future games. So this is a play the Ravens like to run. This is this is this is a consistently in the playbook in the used play. So this play was used against Pittsburgh um, to to quite miserable results um, because they ran it out of they ran it out of thirteen personnel with Tomlinson and Ricard involved. <laughs> so Tom Ricard runs to the flat. Um, Andrews is the sit guy above the mesh, and Tomlinson is one of the meshers with Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown runs the mesh route across seven yards deep. So he's way high. Yeah. Tomlinson's underneath it. There's no respect to Tomlinson at all whatsoever in the process. Andrews goes up high to sit, and and it just turns into a, um, a totally busted play. I've also seen the Ravens run this play where Miles Boykin and Hollywood Brown were the crossers. They run a deep guy up the middle, and Mark Andrews was a sick guy. So he picks the the defenders off in the mesh and then moves up from that, turns around, and is wide open because then everybody's kind of like spread out from there. So they love to run this play call. I love this concept. It, it's one that I, I don't know. The, the Ravens like to use this play call on like, like eight, nine, ten yards and longer, and – it doesn't make any sense to me why they do that. This is a much better, like would be a much better executed play if it was at like six, four, five, six. Like this is the play that they should have run on third down in any of the first three drives where they absolutely kind of sputtered. It's it's a classic stock play. It's, you know, whatever, that's fine. But I, I totally agree with you. You know, if Huntley doesn't bail, the problem with the mesh play is that the mesh play is a little bit slower developing. You have to wait until the two crossers get across each other's face and, and that the guy that is going up the middle gets a chance to try and pick one of them off. Um, so, you know, overall, if Huntley, if they can clean some of this stuff up, the, the concepts in the play calls with success have been there and we've seen it before. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be able to see Huntley continue to build on those. Um, and, you know, I think you're right that he's a little bit more decisive um, and he still brings some of the athleticism that we've mm-hmm. seen from Amar. He had a couple of plays or not all of the athleticism. I know, I know you have told me drunkenly that, that Huntley is as fast as Lamar <laughs> Jackson. I don't know that I agree with that one. Maybe um, not as but... fast, <laughs> but he's close. Um, he's, he's fast. I think he's like a four or five guy. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a 10th to like a 15, like 0.15 off the, the four, the 40 time. Uh, but that makes all the difference, and you know that, that's yeah. that's the counter bash not getting taken down by the 
the nickel. Anyway, um, I do think that there's opportunity for them to continue to like they don't have to overall haul the offense under him. Yeah. I don't think it would have been the same with Trace McSorley. So, you know, I think there are some there there's an interesting opportunity for the Ravens to kind of continue to build on this and in terms of, you know, get the running game going. You know, Nick Boyle missed this game also a scratch for health reasons. Um again, it'd be really, really helpful to have him back. Um, obviously they missed like Ricard missed this game. So it's good to see the running game working without Ricard, but it's a really good sign. And even in the Chicago game, we saw like, like some moments of, of life in the running game. If you can imagine that with Ricard and Boyle, both healthy, maybe there's more to that than, than we're giving it credit for. So uh, there's a couple of things you said and they're, and they're related, uh, although you didn't really mean them to be, but you mentioned earlier that the mesh play with the, the personnel that was used in it and but I think that's an important thing because the personnel decisions, I think, have been questionable at times. Um, and in this game, Bateman was out there a lot because partially because Sammy Watkins was hurt. Ricard wasn't in this game. Boyle wasn't in this game. And Bateman was out there a lot. And he was targeted a lot. And he played really, really well when he was given the opportunity. He should be the Ravens, if not probably number two target behind um, Andrews, in, in all honesty, and, and no offense to Hollywood, who I think he's having a really good season, but Bateman is the more reliable route runner, the more versatile route runner, and the guy that can be like a chain mover in this offense. And I think Hollywood can still have a very large role. Um, it seems like that that seven yard hitch is always going to be there. I, I feel like they don't use that nearly enough. I mean, I know against some coverages it's not going to work, but anytime you're in man, you can run that, and he's going to be open um, on the outside. You can get that pretty easily. Um, so, but the thing you said also, but getting back to the personnel and you're talking about, you know, getting Ricard back and getting Boyle back and how that might help the run game. I think they can run out of 11 personnel. I think like, I mean, I want to, I want to look at this game and see what personnel they were in when they were doing the running, but I felt like the, the offense was looking the most efficient when they were in 11. And I know that hasn't always been the case this season. They have, they've had some issues, but I don't know. I think with with Duvernay is kind of like the slot guy. Um, he you know he was open a few times underneath. He did a couple of nice things. I mean, he's never going to be like a go-to receiver, but I think in certain situations he can be a playmaker for you as well. And you have him, and you have Hollywood, and you have Bateman and Andrews. Like that's a really good combination of receivers. They can do different things. They can stretch the field. They can get open underneath. They can you know win it um, against man coverage in terms of like Bateman and Andrews. Um, and like you said earlier, Andrews is open throughout this entire game like he had a fantastic game he and bateman both over 100 yards um receiving like those two along with you know hollywood obviously we know he's capable of like there's no reason for this offense to not be putting up you know 300 yards passing pretty much week in week out there's just too many receivers with talent level that's at the point where they need to be getting the ball more often and they need to be used um, more frequently in the personnel packages where they are going to be able to be used in their best interest. And that's, to me, like you need to be in 12 and 11 personnel. And, and maybe when Boyle comes back, you can do that. And I mean, there's going to be some instances where you want to have Ricard out there, but he shouldn't be out there for 50 snaps a game. That I mean, that's my opinion. I, I think he's someone who's best served 20 to 30 snaps a game. Um, and he just limits what you can do. When he, in Pittsburgh, he, route, he ran 13 routes. Like you don't need to have Ricard run 13 routes. It's it's just he's he's not being utilized in his best way. There, it's just it's silly. 
I, I totally agree with you and was trying to make the same point, which is that Ricard's value is increased with the presence of Boyle and, and, and in a lot of ways, I think, decreased in, without it. Um, and I think that if they can be in jumbo packages that are more effective in terms of running the ball and that your second play pass catching option is not Tomlinson and it's not Ricard and it is someone like Boyle, it, it makes it a lot more dynamic. So I, I'm optimistic that I think we're saying we are saying the exact same yeah. thing that the Ravens can find their way back to either reducing Ricard's role to build on this. Like, like the other reason this offense worked, I also think that Huntley is more decisive because they were more spread out. They were in four wide often. Like it makes it easy when you're not all bunched together for every, for things to develop quickly um, in that process. And so I think that helps, um, you know, as they move along. So let's talk about the two big decisions. It felt like, this game came down to because it felt like either one of these could have tipped the scales overall. Right. And the first one was the two point conversion, which was not a terribly different play from the one that we just talked about um, in terms of moving the pocket where they picked up the one yard. Um, But it seemed like some people were not thrilled with their decision to go for two in that instance. I don't really, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say about it because if you can't understand that, then you can't do math, right? Like one point (laughs) would not have been enough for the Ravens to get over the hump, you know, to tie the score so you, you you needed two there yeah i don't know what else to say i mean the, the i think what people are saying is you want to make it a one score game but it's not really a one score game it's a one score game plus a two-point conversion you have to have the two-point conversion it's a 50 50 coin flip no matter what like a two-point conversion isn't a gimme i guess you're not automatically guaranteed to have it um, the Ravens have actually been pretty poor in two-point conversions outside the Colts game. Like they haven't, I don't know if they have converted one other one the entire season. Um, I don't, I don't know why they haven't been very good at them, but it's clearly the right call to make it. And I'm just going to spell this out. I mean, I'm not going to say it any more articulate articulately than John Harbaugh did in his presser. He said it's a non-decision. It's a non-decision because you have to get the two-point conversion one way or the other. You go for it the first time because that informs you as to how you're going to have to play call the rest of the game. You you have to know whether or not you are going to need another score. It turned out that they didn't convert it. They're going to need another score. It's pretty obvious then that impacts how you're going to use your timeouts, the pace and tempo that you're going to use. If you go for one there and then you have the ball at the end of the game and you score a touchdown and then you don't score the two-point conversion, you're shit out of luck. You can't do anything about it at that point. You need to know earlier that you need to score again. It's that simple. It's not an analytics thing. It's just common sense. It's logic. It's there's nothing about it that is like a complicated thing. And I don't understand why it's so comp like why people don't understand it. It's, it boggles my mind. It, more importantly to me, I don't understand why the Ravens are so bad in two point conversion situations. That's a better you've question. Got, um, you've got a mobile quarterback in both instances of this. Like you should be able to, you should be able to do whatever and whenever you want. I mean, I know the running game isn't as good as it's been, but like you've got a guy like Latavius Murray who, if for any reason he's on this roster, is because he can put his head down and bull forwards for two yards, like. You know, obviously you're not going to QB sneak it, but like you can use boot action. You can just do, you can do all kinds of stuff. The Ravens need to figure this out. Like two point conversions matter. Um, and they need a package that is functional and figure out how to make it operate. So get it out of the vault, Greg Roman, and get these two, point, two point conversions down. I feel like, I feel like I'm kind of overdoing it with that, but he opened himself up to it. Um, yeah, no, he did. Like, I mean, I have seen so many vault jokes on, on Twitter over the past two weeks and they're all deserved. Like, 
Greg Roman, like you, you set yourself yourself up for that. Well, and, and in a year where your your team is hurt and your team is not at full capacity, that's the time that you do all the crazy stuff. Like right, like we've talked about how in other games, like like in the um, the Vikings game where they ran all those fakes and did all like the Vikings did all kinds of crazy stuff in that game um that they wouldn't have done but they were desperate to win so they did crazy things because they were desperate to win now is the time to try experimental stuff to see if it works so um let's talk about the last play call because at first i thought it was a really terrible play call the initial write-up that i did and we're going to post this on twitter the initial write-up that i did was like i didn't understand one why andrews was kind of on either a deep post or a seam route like you want him coming across huntley's face for sure. Like it doesn't have to be a quick in, but you definitely want him across his face and to do so quickly in case there is pressure. The out to his right made, I still think that that route is stupid because it's useless, right? Because if there's any kind of pressure, Huntley's not going to make that throw. It's a long throw to the right side of the field. Huntley was much more inaccurate to the right side of the field than the left side of the field all game mm. anyway uh, as well. So I just don't think that they were going to go to that far. It, it was just a burned route for no particular reason. That's what they were going to do. I'd rather they kept the guy in and chipped from that spot. I was fine with the guy on the far outside kind of running a nine route to keep it honest in, in that situation. That's fine. On the left side of the play, is, which is where the action happened, you've got Prochet and you've got Bateman lined up together, stacked in terms of receivers. And Prochet is supposed to be running a pick for Bateman and he effing whiffs. He doesn't even try, like in that instance, maul the guy over, right? Like you need to be aware of like what is happening in front of you. And even if you take a penalty, then you the Ravens get another crack at fourth and 14. If he doesn't block that guy, if he doesn't make contact with him, if he doesn't slow him down in any way, Bateman is going to have to be a Superman to be successful in terms of that overall play call. So it doesn't make sense to me. So my issue with that is, one, you're now asking basically guys that have not played together to do four things together in sync, right? Like, one, you need the offensive line to hold up, which is you're not guaranteed to do. Two, you're asking Jane Prochet, who does not play very often, to actually pick a defender off in the process. You're asking Bateman to catch the ball and then you're asking him to catch it short of the sticks and run past the first down. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of room for something to go wrong if that's the iteration of what you're going to do. So I don't love that. And then I don't love, and we were just talking about this. I don't love the personnel grouping here. It doesn't mean the idea that you can't, if that's the play call you want to run stack Andrews and stack Bateman together because Andrews becomes a natural picker, even if he doesn't actually draw the contact with the defender. Right. The defender watches Prochet run by him and he doesn't care because it's James Prochet. And, you know, maybe like like maybe in that instance, that needs to be the dummy call and the hot read actually needs to be Prochet and not Bateman. Um, but Huntley is just had already decided he was throwing the ball like that was the call. The call was a pick play with the throw underneath the Bateman to go run and pick up the first down. They had the opportunity. Prochet needs to Prochet did not execute in for his part. Everybody else did. I still think you're just asking for too many execution things to happen in that sequence, though. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And I think one of the things that bothered me, too, was there there really was only one option for Huntley. And, and he said afterwards that, you know, this was his hot read. Um, so maybe this wasn't, like, the number one option in the play design, which, I mean, maybe Andrews... I, I mean, without Altoid, too, it's kind of hard to see where everything's happening downfield. Um, but he clearly... You know, saw the blitz coming. He decides to go to his hot read. Bateman came. He was open. I mean, it was. The, I think the defender actually made a really nice play on it. I mean, you you kind of you 
deservedly you know called out Prochet for not doing a very good job of kind of like putting himself in the way there but I thought the defender came down real fast um he it looked like it was more open at the like as the play was developing and then it kind of like shut down very quickly um you know it's probably asking a lot to make Bateman make a man miss there um I would have liked to see another option over the middle if that's Andrews I'm kind of like a I don't know, it's like a, a hitch, like right there, like sitting down, like in the middle, um, like a little option route for him there would have been preferred for me. That should be like your number one in that situation. I'm not sure why everyone was running so far past the sticks. Um, so it, it wasn't, I don't think the best play call. I, I'd like to see an all 22 to kind of get a better idea for it, but it's, you know, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen them do in some situations. I think it could have worked maybe better, different personnel. Um, but, and that, that's one of those situations where Huntley was you know, decisive in what he did. He saw his, and for the, in a negative way, I guess, in this one, because, I mean, he put the ball where it had to be. It just wasn't a play that was going to probably give you what you needed when you have to throw it that fast, work of the sticks. You have to kind of, get lucky in that situation and you know they weren't able to get it done but um yeah i i have i don't have super big concerns about that play i just i think it could have been a better option there for him um and maybe that's something that can be discussed as we see it in all 22 and, and see how the other things are going to develop in there a couple other things that i didn't really particularly love about this play so bateman could put a massive double move on this defender if he chose to, because he, he doesn't break immediately into his route and run under Prochet. And I don't know if he was supposed to, but he's like, the reason that the defender can break on that route is because he stops. He literally stops and turns and pauses for half a second, three quarters of a second. And then he breaks into his route. So the defender then has the advantage because he knows what's coming. That's when, that's when Prochet just needs to run through the guy. Like, like he just needs to concede and run through the guy that, that kind of bothers me. But if Bateman fakes the inside of that route and just goes up the sideline, he's going to be wide open for an absolute touchdown. Um, like a which is almost like what he was setting him up for, right? Like, like it's like the, the stop hitch at the line of scrimmage. You're almost faking the wide receiver screen kind of look and then just running right by it. Uh, so I don't know if he ran the wrong route there. Because if he's immediately running a slant, he probably gets under Prochet a lot more. And there's more traffic right around the 49 and 50 yard line. Because that defender is not coming north to south. He's now coming east to west because Bateman is already up across the field. That would explain why Mark Andrews is running a seam route or running something up to the outside because he, he gives the inside leverage to the defender that's on him as well. So that middle linebacker or safety or whoever's on Andrews shades to the inside of him. He lets him and doesn't try and get inside of him. I'm guessing not to create too much traffic. So... Again, I don't think, you know, I think we all agree that it's not a terrible play call. It's it's not your best players execute. This is not your this is not your go-to fourth and six for the game moment play call, I think, as well. And this is not this is not because I'm trying to get on the vault thing again, even though I am a little bit. But like in this moment, and in this I, I and I felt the same way about the two-point conversion that didn't work against Pittsburgh. It's like you have plays in those moments that you think are absolutely going to work, right? And that there are no mechanics and there are no parts of that that you feel like aren't functional in that process. And yes, you don't have Lamar Jackson in here, so maybe that changes the dynamic there. But this didn't feel to me like the play that was going to happen. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I think that like the whole, I think what's throwing me off a little bit is like the whole like hot read aspect of it. And like, maybe that's why it was delayed. So we could have somebody like underneath just like have it. But like in that situation, you won't still want your hot read to be able to pick up the first down. So like, I just feel like the timing was off and maybe that's something that um, Bateman kind of misran the route. And I, I don't, I don't honestly know, but like, I feel like, just a little bit more separation there and it could have actually gotten there, but it, it, it didn't develop fast enough. And I don't know, it's, I mean, it can be discussed ad nauseum, but it's in, in the end, that's not the reason why the Ravens lost this game. Um, they lost because of the turnovers. They lost because of the penalties. They lost because, you know, they had their backup quarterback in there. Um, and I think a, a lot of things could have gone differently in this game for the Ravens, but, in the end, they're, they are where they are. They're still in first place in the AFC North, um, even after you know all the things that have transpired. So, I'm, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to kind of like enjoy the rest of the season and not get let myself get worked up about it. Um, see what happens. See if Lamar can get back. See if he looks better than he has in the past like five weeks. Um, but I'm also curious to see Huntley. Um, I think there is a lot of good things we saw out of him. I think he can, you know be an interesting player for the Ravens, um, both this year and, and, and in the future. I think he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL, honestly. Yeah, can the Ravens trade him down the road for a draft pick? I mean, this is the Lamar show, right? Like like we are, whether he's in, I, I mean, to the Ravens' advantage of this year, hasn't gone the way that we wanted to see it go, but he's going to sign a big contract. He's going to be here for a long time. There's, there's just hands down no question about that. So any added value to Huntley, whether it's a future comp pick or an actual value, uh, of a traded of, of a traded player, I don't think the Ravens would ever trade him, even if he even if they could get a second round pick for him, because then they'll tell themselves, well, something happens to Lamar, we need him here to like that's worth it. I, I don't know that I would agree with that logic, um, and I don't know that they would do that either. Kind of putting words in their mouth, um, <laughs> but I would love to see. You know, it'd be nice to see him, like you said, establish some value. There are going to be some decent defenses down the stretch here. The next three are actually decent defenses. The Steelers have looked awful, um, you know, pretty much all year, so we'll stick that in there, but it's, you know, it's a home game against the Packers next week. Um, you know, they're playing the later game they're playing right now. Um, so maybe that's the Ravens advantage by a few hours to get them traveling. Um, you know, hopefully they can tighten this up, catch them on an off week. It'd be a huge win if they can beat the Packers next week. Um, and I think, I think if they could probably cement their ability to get to the playoffs, which is really bizarre to say. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens have been good at home this year. They've struggled on the road. Um, so, Am I good? I mean, I'm just looking at the record. I think they're they only have one loss at home. Um, so this is a game that's winnable. I mean, the Packers, they're I do think they have a good defense, um, and obviously they have really good quarterback. They have some playmakers on offense, but they also have a sketchy offensive line. So it might be a place where the where the Ravens can take advantage of that. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm just going to try, like I said, enjoy it week to week. Um, see what they're capable of doing against the NFC team at home. They have, they've, they have that crazy NFC win streak going. Um, unfortunately, obviously without Lamar Jackson, it's not quite the same, but um, it, it'll be fun to, uh, you know, see a different team coming to Baltimore. We haven't seen the Packers in a while. So um, I think last time we, we, they had their backup quarterback. That time they played, it was um, what I forget the guy's name, but anyway, it'll be, in, it'll be interesting to see um, how they can perform in, in a, game that could you know be important for their playoff survival like i think every game is any win they can get is, is going to be important yeah if they can pick up two wins regardless of against whom i think that will get them in 
Um, so, you know, obviously, ideally, that's the Bengals and the Steelers because then you've, you've self-eliminated your competition in the process. But um, I think you're right. We got to try and enjoy it. I have not enjoyed this watching this team very much over the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Like the Dolphins, the Bears, the Steelers, and the Browns game were – part two were all not very enjoyable browns game part one was was kind of enjoyable so hopefully we can find our way back there we'll see something nice from hundley um thanks for joining us in the situation room he's at gabe fergie i'm at raven sit room we'll see you next time what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health Shop now at Hero.co.